0: the partnership economy dave giovanna welcome to the human capital innovations podcast thanks for having me john It's a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Santa Barbara. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about thriving in the partnership economy. Uh, This is really a topic taken from your recent book. You're going to tell us all about that here in a minute. Uh, But ultimately, we live in a world where we need partnerships. Uh, We can't do everything alone. Uh, I'm not sure we ever could do everything alone, but Mm -hmm. certainly in in the modern age, that's just not Mm going to work out for most Mm -hmm. people. So I'm excited Mm -hmm. to explore this together. As we get started, I wanted to share David's bio with everybody. Dave Yovano is responsible for Marin's overall strategic direction and execution. Prior to joining Marin in May of 2014, he first joined Conversant, Inc., formerly ValueClick, Inc., in Mm -hmm. 2000 and held a number of leadership positions for U.S. media, including Executive Vice President of Sales and Marketing, General Manager, Chief Operating Officer until 2008. Dave left Conversant in 2008 to be CEO of Gigya, a high-growth social technology SaaS company based in Silicon Mm -hmm. Valley, and then rejoined Conversant in 2011. Most recently, Dave served as President technology solutions for conversion from 2011 to 2014 and was responsible for the company's technology solutions globally. Media Solutions internationally, the company's DSP solution, driving cross-solution synergies, and assisting with the company's corporate development program. What a fantastic background and career! A pleasure to be with you. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in? No, I just say the sum of
1: it is I've been in uh, the marketing technology space for for over twenty years. Uh, had the pleasure to work with a number of the companies that that you met with. I. I <laughs> Got to enjoy the dot-com rise and fall back in the early 2000s timeframe. Uh, Conversant was a public company for a long time, got acquired by uh, Alliance Data Systems. Uh, Giga ultimately got acquired by SAP. So I've seen a lot of ups and downs, certainly, and a lot of trends uh, in the space, which we'll get into here in the program, just kind of like the journey of evolution of businesses, especially in the marketing space. So excited to chat about it here today.
0: Yeah, very good. And, and why don't we start there um, and talk a little bit more just about partnerships generally. It's it's the premise of your your book named The Partnership Economy. Mm-hmm. Why, why are partnerships so important in this day and age? And then we can talk a little bit more specifically about how your book came to be.
1: Yeah. So, you know, lots to unpack um, with that question. I would just say that um, partnerships have been around forever. Um, I think what's changed is yeah, you know, when I say partnerships, what I, what I talk about is you know, you know, people working together, or businesses working uh, with each other to kind of help each other out, like referring business. That, that's generally what we're talking about in the world of partnerships. Uh, and you know, it's it's always been part of business. It's just never been at scale. Uh, it's never been required to be at scale. I think in the past, and there there has been some evolution that has um, you know gotten the channel into a position where it is at scale and it's driving meaningful growth. Uh, and just one anecdote on that, our largest customers, so, so at impact.com, just to give you a point of context, we're uh, a platform. I think of it as a business development toolkit. We're helping businesses and, and partners, you know, find each other. So there's a discovery and marketplace capability. We handle the contracts between them. Uh, we're the source of truth on tracking, like who's doing the referral and we'll handle payment processing and then just overall program management. So we're we're a SaaS a technology Platform in this ecosystem, and there are many actors in the in this ecosystem. Um, you know, but you know, I think when you think of uh, how companies like have traditionally acquired revenue or acquired customers, they they've relied on traditional channels, typically advertising or, or all forms of marketing. And you know, if you were to hang with me for a minute and just go back a hundred years and how advertising and marketing started really as a channel in, in terms of mass media, you had radio and TV start roughly in the same year. And, and what, what was the consumer experience back then? It was a couple channels. You had a, a heavily controlled message from an advertiser. And in fact, the, the commercial kind of was, was part of the core content. If, if you remember, remember back then it was, we're all sitting around same stations. We're all listening to the same jingles all running out, buying the products that we were told to go buy. And so, you know, over, you know, the the course of the last hundred years, it's it's been like that where, you know, the advertisers were kind of interrupting, disrupting, you know, kind of, um, you know, the the consumer behavior, if you will, with their message and heavily influencing, you know, uh, what people purchase. And what's changed what's evolved, if you go back 30 years ago, the internet started, and then roughly 10 years ago, you've had the rise of these social publishing platforms. We're all familiar with YouTube by now. Uh, Now you've got Instagram, you've got TikTok. And what's happened is you've got this democratization of commerce content. When we talk about commerce content, this is content that is published specifically about products. And if you think back, when the internet first started... People are just searching for things, um, their hobbies, uh, you know, you know, finding different information. And, you know, I would say at this stage that we're at right now, there is critical mass of information about products out there that just wasn't, wasn't at scale called three, four years ago, even. And, and it's become the primary uh, path and journey of the, the the modern buyer that it used to be that you would, hear that commercial or you talk to a salesperson if it's a B2B sort of business and do a little bit of due diligence, but you're were you were making a unilateral decision to buy something based on what you were told. Now, the primary consumer journey is, I think Forrester and Jay McManey just moved to a new company called Canalis, I think, uh, cites research that's there's 22 points of research that a consumer is doing before they make a purchase. I'm not talking about an impulse purchase like a t-shirt or something like that, tennis racket, anything like that. People are doing 22 points of research. They're looking at YouTube videos. They're reading reviews. They're checking blog posts. They're um, finding anything that they can get. They're comparing things, and so so advertising is kind of taking a backseat to this. Like advertising might create awareness for something. Now it all works together. There's there's a there's a, a surround sound effect of how the world of marketing works. So it all works together. But I think the biggest change is that advertising like think of a TV commercial or magazine ad or anything has kind of taken a backseat to this world of partnerships and the commerce content that's being published out there. And we'll unpack that a little bit more in a minute, because I know I'm responding with a lot here um, because what's happening is when somebody gets into decision mode, so you, you think of Ada and the marketing uh, funnel, you've got awareness, interest, um, you know, uh, uh, the desire or decision and action, um, you know, the decision-making step in that model is being done with the research that consumers are doing, right? And what, what we're advocating in this partnership economy, but what the book is about is trying to inspire brands to rely less on trying to interrupt and disrupting and have this direct message where you're controlling everything and thinking people are going to buy just based on what you're telling them and invest more time and effort in being part of the information that's being published about products, right? Form a partnership with that influencer, with that creator, with that business, with that, major publisher, Better Homes and Garden, what have you. There's teams of editors now that will engage with businesses, understand your products, write about them. And then, you know, they're they're essentially guiding or referring their audience or their customers, you know, to do business with people like you and be, be part of that that information. That that's the opportunity here in business.
0: you identified several different types of partnerships uh, that I think many listeners would recognize and uh you're you're approaching this primarily from the the lens of of marketing partnerships and and sales mm-hmm. partnerships and and sales funnels and those sorts of things which is really really important uh, I'll just zoom out for just a moment before we zoom back in and just acknowledge how important it is for us regardless of the, the the functional area of the business that we need to form and cultivate partnerships. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we want to get stuff done, uh, you know, with people, then we need partnerships and partnerships are built upon trust, uh, over time. And you can't, you can't sidestep that. You can't, uh, take a shortcut to that. You just have to build trust over time mm-hmm. and, and, and develop relationships where people know mm-hmm. that, they can count on you Let, you're let's talk, do about, up, that. Let's you talk about that let's talk about that
1: because it's it's such an important point that, that is really at the center of this partnership economy what the book is about if you look at what advertisers have done over the last hundred years that i talk about what what have they done they've large largely not established trust and and gone absolutely the other way like you know they they paint this perfect world this this photoshop image of something that's not reality right um one small example, I remember being a young kid standing in line at McDonald's with my grandfather. And you know, you see on the menu this beautiful Big Mac, right? It's it's like perfect photo, whatnot. And then you know you get the sandwich. It looks like it's been run, run over by a car. Uh, you know it's it's uh it's just not true. And I think as, as a as a society we've we've almost like trained ourselves to not believe what we see in an ad, right? You know, this perfect model, this perfect thing. And then you order this product based on the ad, and it's not what was advertised. And and I think just generally as a society we've 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 accepted that. And you know, I talked about the internet starting and then the social publishing uh, platform starting. Just one specific example of that really was YouTube. And this is, when I talk about the, the democratization of, of everything, like the consumer has, uh, you know, kind of, you know, taken control because of the the lack of trust or, or just flat on distrust and lying that advertisers have been doing all these years. So YouTube starts and, and what happened? Like people, for whatever reason, were compelled to open up products and talk about them, just because they're passionate about them, it wasn't because they were getting paid to do it. Like, like they felt like like somebody needs to stand up and like you know, you know, give the straight scoop. You know, tell you know shoot shoot straight in terms of does this thing work or not? Is it good or not? Let me give you my my opinion on it. And it's because they love it and they just want to help other people. That's kind of how it started. Uh, and then as things started to scale, they actually started to monetize um, the content that they were creating. And this is uh, where platforms like impact.com come in Is you know, they, they grabbed affiliate links and they understood that, Hey, I, I'm actually providing value to consumers. Like they're making purchase decisions based on information that I'm providing. Why not earn a commission on some of those sales? And we talk about truth. Like what, what made that rise so quickly is because most creators but the customer at the center of the show or the star of the show, uh, as, as I call it, meaning it wasn't about being that che- cheesy salesperson. They were the ones that were kind of writing the rules. And, and and think about like the, the checks and balances that are built into, you know, that, that sort of platform, right? You've got comments, you've got the subscribe button, right? The last thing that creator wants to do is lose a subscriber or have negative comments, you know, be, be called out. So it's almost like this beautiful design that for the first time, this is one of the things that I'm really excited about. It's like the customer is the focus and like what's best for the customer. And, and, and think about it, like, if, if a creator is gonna call somebody out for having a, a poor quality product, it just raises the bar for all businesses to create better products. And, and who wins at the end of the day? Like the consumer gets the straight scoop on what's real and what's not. And you know, there's an incentive here for businesses to provide a better service or, or create a better product. And I love it. And then, so what happened was creators proved that you can actually, um, you know, produce this content and get paid for it, and remain authentic, remain truthful to the audience, and, and be compensated for it. Right? It used to be Consumer Reports. Right? We all, you know, the, know those you know, expensive magazines from years and years ago. It wasn't wasn't at scale. wasn't at crit- critical mass. That's kind of what's happened with these creators. Right? Like, like they're doing consumer. Report type content, but but at scale, everybody's doing it. So the major editors recognize what was happening here. Think of like Better Homes and Garden and Condé Nast has uh, a number of uh, um, you know uh, publications. Vogue, let's say you know, where they would just typically write about trends. And there was always like that divide between the content team, you know, the editors that decided what news was fit fit to print, and then like the editorial excuse me, the uh, the advertising group, like how they monetize their content. And you know, always think of like uh, advertising being like a full page between content that was just about, you know, content, I guess. It wasn't about products. And now what they what those editors have done is they recognize what these creators are doing. They they can actually, you know, form a partnership with the business, you know, create content about products and inside that information provide links or other Ways to refer business over and be compensated for it, and do it in a way to still remain authentic uh, and truthful with their audience. It's been a complete paradigm shift, and this has all happened, I'd say, in the last five to seven years, uh, this to this this kind of uh, evolution, if you will, in in commerce content and how uh, things are published. Now we're you know if you look, you know, I, you know, I was watching uh, like the the um, I can't remember the Today Show, one of the major news channels, the morning shows. You got these news anchors now in the morning reviewing products, and there's like this QR code in the bottom of the screen, you know, uh, because of their personal experience with the product, and you know they're they're referring business over. So I don't think most people recognize this shift that that that's that's happened essentially with with the information that's being sourced about products.
0: Yeah, super interesting, and I really like the focus on the authenticity that you're describing. Um, again, regardless of what type of partnership we're talking about, to zoom out for just a minute, it's built. Partnerships, sustainable partnerships are built upon trust and mm-hmm. trust is built upon uh, repeated vulnerable interactions with people. Right. And mm-hmm. so whether I'm talking about uh, a partnership in terms of like a relationship, like a romantic partner, or I'm talking about like a workplace a team who are partners to do something or i'm talking about uh, internal uh functional areas of a business partnering with each other to get mm-hmm. things done and, and to accomplish what the organization needs or if we're talking about partnerships to get Uh, stuff out to consumers. Regardless of the type of partnership we're talking about, we need that trust to be built. And that is only built as people are vulnerable and as they're authentic. And Mm -hmm. so when I think about social media marketing and influencers, for example, now I'm not an expert in this space at all, but I, I certainly have talked to enough people and I know what I like Uh, so at least anecdotally, I can, I can look at that and like the highly polished types of content that I see on social media. I don't trust it because it's, 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 it's manufactured, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. when someone just genuinely authentically is sharing their opinion, uh, in, in a less polished, a less, uh, uh, Produced kind of a way, it just resonates more, uh, yeah. and it has a bigger. Yeah, today's impact. consumer has a very high BS filter, right? Yeah, and, and I think it's just with all the
1: sharing content, you know, these platforms are enabling collaboration, and it's you know society is just you know has just raised the bar for the truth on things, and you know, like I said, I think that that is the challenge and the opportunity in the partnership economy is for for businesses to kind of recognize that, form partnerships with you know people who have this trusted relationship with an audience or with a customer and and draw an alliance with them like be a partner with them right and it's not all just about um you know the reviews and the content that's being published it's also like product experiences. Like we're, what we're seeing uh, on the impact.com platform are businesses that are trying to bring more value to shared customers. Like we have a great partnership between HubSpot and Canva. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, those services, but HubSpot is a, an inbound marketing automation platform. Canva um, allows um, mostly businesses to, to do design things like designing banners and newsletters and emails and things like that. So while you're using this marketing automation tool instead of leaving that tool and then going into Canva to do your design work, they have a partnership where they're actually integrated with each other. So inside of the HubSpot experience, you can, if you're not already a customer, you can sign up for Canva, Uh, but more importantly, your workflow is embedded into um, that software piece. Maybe a a consumer example, Um, you know, uh, Airbnb has great partnerships with travel partners like Delta or Qantas. Like if you go to Qantas.com and you're booking a flight to Australia Top of fold, there's an option to also book a stay at an Airbnb as part of the same experience. So instead of having to leave Montes and go over to Airbnb and do that, you're you're kind of doing that in a very integrated fashion. So just bringing just a better experience for, you know, um, you know, companies that are just like no brainer partnerships. Another good one is uh, Ticketmaster and Spotify, Ticketmaster and Pandora. Like if you're listening to an artist on any of these music apps, you can. Tap through some content, see where they're in concert. If they're in concert near you, near you, and seamlessly purchase a ticket it. just doesn't that just make sense that you're going to enhance the experience of that Spotify listener to, you know, uh, show when that artist is is in concert. So it, you know, it's not just about the commerce content piece. I'm just kind of broadening, you know, uh, the use cases here so that your audience can kind of understand that this is the primary way. Like, you know, I think people are making buying decisions, but they're also staying with certain products and services based on you know, uh, the improved experience. And, and, and again, back to my earlier point, who wins at the end of the day in this new economy? It's the consumer, which is, I think, exciting for all of us.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And so let's, as we wrap up today, uh, give us some of your top tips, those, those things that we can start doing right now, uh, you know, obviously, there's listeners from all different walks of life and different types of organizations and businesses. We have entrepreneurs, we have corporate people, we have all sorts of uh, people who listen. What can we do, though, generally, as we want to just get this this uh, process started uh, for brands that want to start partnership? I'd say, I'd
1: say the the simplest and easiest thing is talk to your customers. Like, if you're a business, I mean, this, this opportunity is really for businesses businesses that are trying to to grow their revenue. Um, we're all challenged with revenue acquisition, customer acquisition. Um, the number one thing is, is talk to your customers. You can, you can call them, you can sit down with them, you can survey them, but ask where they are sourcing information prior to making a purchase. um, like yours, what are other businesses that they enjoy alongside yours and then go reach out to those sources of information or the, and, or those businesses, and, and explore forming a partnership. Um, I think, I think it's that simple. Um, and it does take a little bit of business development work, if you will. It's not like the coin operated world of advertising where you're putting a dollar in and you're getting a click back, uh, you know, from Google. Um, but what I can promise you is that little bit of effort has residual value, right. Uh, you know, meaning, you know, those partnerships are put in place and like, you know, there are, you know, videos on YouTube of, you know, different reviews that sit out there for five years, um, you know, once it's created, that continues to drive residual sales for for uh, many clients, residual income for those creators. That's the easiest thing. And then also just like recognize like what's happening with your cost to acquire customers. Like with all, this is the other thing that's been accelerating this, this um, you know, uh, growth and importance of partnerships as a, as a uh, revenue acquisition channel is just how expensive it's getting through other traditional channels it's, it's becoming less efficient for a number of different reasons. I think the modern consumer is um, not as responsive to traditional advertising for all the things that I mentioned because of all the, the, the examples and, and uh, reasoning I gave earlier, but it's also becoming very expensive. So if your audience isn't aware, you know, we've lost what's called IDFA. That's the identifier for advertisers within the iOS, uh, a- Apple's you know, tracking capability and then Google's announced doing away with their cookie as well as retargeting. All that means is there's, there's been a lot of disruption in, in big tech. Um, and you effectively can't target, track, and measure an ad on, on the internet anymore, unless it's inside the wall gardens, uh, meaning the Facebook platforms, Google, Amazon, et cetera. So you got more demand going into fewer supply sources and it's caused a huge 100 plus percent increase in, in ad rates across the board. Um, And so those two things working in tandem, you know, consumers are less responsive to ads and then ad rates have skyrocketed. You know, you're almost forced, you know, to to look for alternatives if you want to remain competitive with regards to uh, revenue acquisition. And it just so happens that at the same time, this opportunity within partnerships uh, is really scaling. I mean, our most mature customers are seeing partnerships contribute uh, 30% of their total revenue mix is coming from their partnerships, but as a channel, it's growing more than 50%. So it's, uh, it's become a, a real needle mover for business. Whereas, you know, we talked about partnerships have been around for forever. They have, they've just never been like a really important channel because no one kind of understood, you know, platforms like impact.com didn't exist where things are being ag- aggregated and actually managed in a meaningful way. And so now it's been, a, uh, it's become a real, uh, critical
0: business driver. Yeah. Thank you so much, David. This has just been a fascinating conversation. I've learned a lot. There's a lot for me to think about. I hope it's been helpful for my listeners as well. Before we wrap up for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Yeah. If you'd like to check out the book, uh, we've got a
1: dedicated website. It's called thepartnershipbook.com, or you can just simply go to impact.com
0: and find out more about it. Thank you, David. I hope everyone will reach out, get connected, check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the human capital innovations podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support.